Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. So here we are, hour number two on FST. A lot of stuff this weekend. It's always a good time of year. We just had the National Basketball Championship the other day. Congrats to Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, we got the Masters is ongoing. Uh, I'll be settling in and we're trying to watch some golf today. And the leaderboard is out of control. Uh, people are saying it's maybe the most loaded leaderboard ever because the the first one, two, three, four, five, six players have all won majors. Um, Francesco Malinari, Jason Day, Brooks Kepka, Adam Scott, Louis Oosthuizen, Dustin Johnson. Uh, those are the leaders there. Those first five are tied at uh, seven under, and then Dustin Johnson's one shot. Uh, this it breaks the record for most players through 36 holes that are within one shot of the lead. And it currently stands at four. That's nine players either hold the lead or one shot off. That does include Tiger Woods, which the golf community and and ESPN and CBS are obviously thrilled about because sure. they got Tiger Woods on the weekend and he matters. You got other guys in there: Ian Poulter and John Rahm, uh, Matt Kuchar, Phil Mickelson, just three shots off the lead. So. Justin Thomas right in the mix there. Uh, you got some other guys. You know, Ricky Fowler isn't that far off, but he's got a lot of work to do. Uh, Jordan Spieth. I don't know if Spieth missed the cut. He was awful on Thursday. And let me see. I'm looking it up. Uh, yeah, I think he might have missed the cut. Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll get to that. Anyway, we're not going to do a ton of golf here uh, anyway, but... Uh, let's see. I'm looking for his name right here. Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth. Where is he? Come on, Jordan. Why can't I find this? Of course I can't. Uh, it's live radio, folks. This is what happens when you try to do something without doing the research. No, there he is. He's a minus one. So you got a long way to go. But at least they have him here for the weekend. So that's it. Uh, odds right now as of Saturday morning. Kepka and Woods are listed as 13-2 to co-favorites. So 
uh, I, I, that's really just about Tiger Woods money, right? People wanting to bet on Tiger Woods and wanting him to win, so he pushes down as one of the favorites. But he really is just one shot off the lead and playing well. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm not a real big golf fan, but uh, yeah, hopefully it gets down to uh, it, it stays close. The Masters, because, Joe, you don't like sit in there uh, on Sunday with a little, little uh, well, drink yeah, in what, your hand and you know, just watch. What, it's what, just what, so peaceful to watch on a big screen television. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'll turn it on. You know, my uncle's a big golf fan, so if he's over, he watches it. And if it's like a close finish, yeah, I, you know, I get into it. But other than that, just you know, I'll be honest with you. You know, baseball and football, my top two sports, and uh, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe I got to get out on the links, and maybe then. Uh, are you a big golf? Play with Kurtz? Uh, you play Kurtz? No, I'm not. Uh, no, I, oh, okay. I did play. I played once last year. Uh, but for a really long time, I hadn't played at all. I just my schedule mm-hmm. does not lend itself the flexibility to get on the right. golf course. It just doesn't right now. Um, little and kids, my understanding is once you take up the game, it it takes over your life because you you constantly well, want to try to improve yeah. your score. Right? Well, it's hard. It's hard <laughs> yeah. as hell. Mm-hmm. You're going out there, you're shooting a, over a hundred. Like you're like I'm terrible, but it's fun, and you'll hit a drive right down. Broadway, like, you know, 250 yards or whatever, and you're like, I'm the greatest golfer alive. (laughs) And then you triple bogey because you can't get up and down. So uh, it's really frustrating. But, and yes, my foot doctor, I have a foot doctor, just, I got flat feet and I'm always dealing with these crazy foot issues. Not that anybody wants to know that, but it, uh, he's consumed by it. He, Mm -hmm. that guy is consumed by it. He's consumed by watching it. He's consumed by playing. George mm-hmm. Kurtz does play a lot, but I don't know that he's a big watcher of golf. I, I, he strikes mm-hmm. me as the type of guy that, you know, he watches the few major sports and uh, he likes to play golf. But I don't know that he's going to follow the Masters. Anyway, that's it. That's our golf uh, segment for probably the entire <laughs> year. Um, so we're turning it over to the NFL. We'll talk NFL draft with Emory Hunt after this, and we'll recap that. But a couple of major stories. Adam Thielen agreed to a four-year extension. Deals worth $60 million, $64 million, excuse me, with a max of $74 million. $35 guaranteed. He was entering the third season of a four-year $19 million base deal, so they had him at a real value. And he's 293 receptions in his five years. He topped a 1,000-yard mark each of the past two seasons and was a pro bowler both years. So he caught... 113 passes for 1,373 yards and nine touchdowns last season. He played in all 16 games. So uh, that's it. Uh, Money for Adam Thielen. They lock him up, and obviously they're going to have to continue to try to keep this team together. They kept Anthony Barr. They have the two receivers with Diggs and Thielen. Obviously, Cousins has big money. The talent is there for this team. They have to figure out the offensive line in order to keep this offense moving forward and improving. Yeah, and a lot of teams need to do that, right? I, and just every year, uh, you know, we re- start to realize how important it is, not just the, the, the main positions, the offensive positions, but how much an offensive line can be to a team. And uh, Thielen definitely uh, deserves the money. I mean, he's gotten better year after year. You know, uh, it came into this season with thinking, uh, was he going to continue his progression? And uh, for the 
first several weeks, I think up until like week 10, he was like one of the, if not the top receiver in football. So uh, I think it's money well spent, but you're right. Uh, he had 100 yard games sh- his first, the first nine weeks of the season last year. He had 100 yard yeah. games. So yeah, um, yeah. he was on fire. He paced a, a, a couple of my teams uh, quite mm-hmm. well. He, he didn't fall apart at the end of the year. He just, you know, the production slowed a little bit as the Vikings mm-hmm. offense slowed. So that was a source of frustration. But Diggs got the extension last summer. Thielen gets the extension now. Uh, obviously, they're, they're pretty locked up. This team, despite, you know, they bombed out last year by not making the playoffs. That was a huge failure on their part. But I don't think that they're terribly far away. They just have to address the offensive line. I think the defensive line will be good enough. Mike Zimmer is a good defensive coach, even if he lacks in other areas. And I think they'll continue to improve. The talent is there defensively. It's there offensively. The offensive line really uh, hurt them a lot. And I thought, obviously, the way in which they fired the offensive coordinator midseason was indicative of the fact that things weren't working. Not for Cousins, not for the offense as a whole, uh, but now... Uh, they will uh, move on into 2019. And I would suspect that they'll be a team that would be, you'd have minus odds for them to make the playoffs. I think there'll be an expectation for the Vikings Mm -hmm. to make the playoffs this season. Yeah, I agree with you. Are are you a Cousins guy? Uh, Because, you know, he seems to be a polarizing guy. I mean, I'm kind of lukewarm about him. I I didn't like what he, I mean, I I owned him on a couple of teams because, yeah, uh, and I own them on a couple problem. teams, you, you know. And... It's okay to be lukewarm on Kirk Cousins. Uh, I, that's how I am, <laughs> which is why yeah. we don't really think he's worth $84 million guaranteed, right? Right, I, right. I, I, I understood why the Vikings did it. They were close. They didn't think they could continue to get it done with Case Keenum, and I think they were probably right. But um, I guess that's really the problem. Kirk Cousins is pretty good. Mm-hmm. He can put up good numbers. Uh, something keeps happening in these big games where he doesn't produce and they don't win. Um, he's like the anti-Alex Smith. Yeah, <laughs> Alex yeah, Smith yeah, was, yeah. You know, prior to his injury, Alex Smith was a guy that was seen as a winner. And even though there are holes in his game, at some point, at the end of the day, when you keep seeing him racking up wins in a high winning percentage, and conversely, Cousins falling apart in these big primetime games... It, it doesn't. It it starts to point back to you at some point. I try not mm-hmm. to on a fifty-three man roster. Try not to castigate one guy for not being able to win games. But if it happens consistently, there's something to it. Generally, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Uh, sure. And uh, but speaking about the the Vikings, just one last point on them. We need sixteen yeah. games out of Dalvin Cook this season. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a problem too. Like his, yeah. his his not being healthy was a problem too. You know, Marshall Falk, who I did the shows with uh, this past season, yeah, one of the most durable really, uh, backs in, in football. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> and and that's a great point because his comment when that stuff was going on, when Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette really couldn't get out there, and the rumors being like, well, they're not a hundred percent. Marshall's opinion was, and he wasn't pointing fingers at anybody in particular, but his attitude is that you're never going to be 100% at running back. Mm-hmm. So if you're a little banged up and you feel like you should take a week off, you really shouldn't. It's like you just have to figure out a way to get out there when you're not 100% because you won't be. It's not a position that lends itself 
to you being healthy all the time. You're going to have a bum ankle or a sore mm-hmm. shoulder or a swollen knee. He's like, you just have to get out there. He's like, if it's something that you're going to get injured doing, then don't do it. But um, he just thought that there were a couple of guys, like the ones that I mentioned, that maybe could have been out there and were taking a little bit of extra time. Um, maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe it's the teams are more careful with players now. But Marshall was of the opinion that guys like Dalvin Cook need to be out there even when they're not 100%. No, I, I like it, Marshall Falk, uh you know, helped a couple of my teams in the, the back in the day uh, win some fantasy championships. And like I said, he was basically a two for one deal. I mean, if you look at his receiving numbers on top of what he did uh, on the ground, uh, just uh, amazing stuff. And, uh, you, know, you know, to his point, he's probably right. <laughs> yeah. Reuben Foster, uh, in other news, he's fined two game checks by the NFL. But he's re, he's uh, back in business. He can play for Washington as soon as they get started next year, assuming nothing else happens. So he's going to get he's going to resume his playing career. He's fined two game checks, and he will not be suspended uh, any further. Suspended two games at the start of last season. Then there was another potential domestic violence incident. It has been investigated. They've apparently watched video with uh, that they obtained from law enforcement officials. And he's back. So I had Reuben Foster on a dynasty team. And when I saw that last incident, I actually cut him from my dynasty team. I just thought, like, I can't even deal with these headaches anymore. And this guy seems like a bad guy. And I can live with it if somebody else picks him up and he's productive. He's obviously a really talented player. I thought his career would take off. But due to suspensions and injuries and everything else, it has you know, it, it has stumbled uh, to start. He's now on his second team in his career. But he really could be a huge addition to them, especially if he plays motivated based on these other things that have been going on with him. So it could be an interesting scenario for Washington and really help their defense long term. Now, they are going to be an interesting team to talk about in terms of the draft because they have a whole bunch of quarterbacks on the roster. I think there's five mm-hmm. quarterbacks on the roster right now. But if you got five quarterbacks, as the saying goes, you don't got one. So uh, they're really going to have to figure something out come draft night. Is it going to be Josh Rosen that they make a trade for? Do they sit there at 15 and wait to who falls to them, whether it's Drew Locke or Daniel Jones or even maybe Dwayne Haskins? Or – do they make a move and go up and trade for somebody? So what do you think Washington's going to end up doing? They seem to be in the Josh Rosen sweepstakes. Talk has cooled on that as of late, but I think that'll heat up here in the next 10 days. Yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, like you said, I mean, uh, Colt McCoy, Case Keenum, uh, Alex Smith's uh, career in jeopardy, uh, definitely the, the, his season. Uh, He's not playing this looking- year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm looking at uh, some mocks uh, that have them going after, you know, making a trade and possibly going after Rosen. Others uh, have them going after a wide receiver. I mean, uh, they definitely need to uh, explore opportunities. Uh, I mean, wouldn't be surprised if they uh, pick up a quarterback uh, off of, uh, you know, this draft. I mean, uh, is Case Keenum the answer? Probably not. (laughs) I think Case Keenum was somebody they made a move for because it was in such flux at at Mm -hmm. the end of the year. They needed to do something to not have just in case. Yeah, It's actually a pretty smart move. Just in case 
their initial plans don't work out. Like say, say Arizona uh, trades him, trades Rosen to somebody else. So they're in the mix. I don't think there's any question. I think it's the mm-hmm. Giants, Washington, and Miami. And I don't think Miami's going to do it. I really think it's those two teams, Washington and New York. It could be somebody else. But uh, th- those are the likely destinations for Rosen. So say he ends up in the Giants, and the Giants now have their long-term plan. Eli can play this year, or Rosen can beat him out, and then Eli sits on the bench as a veteran. So that's the Giants' long-term quarterback plan. Then what does Washington do? Then they have to make a move for one of these guys. Arizona is obviously going to take Kyler Murray. And then, all right, the Giants. So the Giants won't have a quarterback, but maybe other teams are making moves. Maybe the Broncos, like Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke, and then that takes away one of their opportunities. And then Miami takes the other quarterback. So then what do they do? Then they end up picking Daniel Jones, who they may not like that much. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you just have Mm -hmm. to have... Uh, contingency plans, and I think Case Keenum is just that. Uh, Even if he starts this year, I think it will be in front of a developmental quarterback uh, or uh, they're working with Josh Rosen to get him accustomed to the system. So I think that's where it's at. um, Yeah, their best bet is to get Rosen because they could slip him in quicker than if they got somebody off the uh, that they picked up uh, from the draft. But uh, yeah, you, I guess you're right. Yeah. Case Keenum, a guy maybe that could start maybe the first three or four uh, games of the season and then uh, step step aside. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I do think Jay Gruden is a pretty good offensive coach. I, I think he's hampered by that front office. I think Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder have done that team no favors. So uh, I, I think they had a pretty good hire there with Jay Gruden. I think from an offensive football standpoint, he is somebody that can work with quarterbacks, and it could be a good landing spot for somebody like Josh Rosen. So we're going to get into it with Emory Hunt Um after the break, we'll ask him some of these QB questions and, and anything else uh, draft-related. He's going to be with me on draft night, so I'm excited about that, and we'll line him up with some questions. What What is one question that you're curious, uh, that you've been getting more curious about, whether it's related to the Jets or Giants or anybody else? Uh, I'm uh, questioning why Haskins is uh, now looked at maybe later in the first round. Like, what what what's, what's, the, what's causing the people to shy away from him a little bit i've seen him mock drafts uh he's going down the ladder a little bit yeah good stuff so uh we'll come back with questions for emory hunt on the other side it's mike and joe on fst we'll be right back From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Welcome back to FST. Mike and Joe bringing in Emery Hunt in here in a minute. Talking NFL draft. Do we have Emery with us? Is he here? Do I hear the voice of F-Ball Game Plan? Emery Hunt. Not sure if he's here yet, but can I hear him? Is that you, Emery? Yep. 
I'm here. What's up, man? How you doing? Sorry, I, did, I uh, raced back to the microphone just in time. So uh, good to have you uh, back on the show and talking NFL draft. So Joe, Joe had that question right before the break. Why is it that Dwayne Haskins is falling uh, down certain draft boards? Well, here's the thing. We don't know if he's falling in the real NFL draft boards. He's falling in the media <laughs> draft boards. Uh, right. So it's always, you always have to take that with a grain of salt because we don't really know what's going on until it actually happens. I think the media right now is, is doing a good job of creating content. So that's why you see mock draft 7.0 and mock draft 13.0. You know, you switch up names, create com- you create the news, then you talk about the news. And, and when really the in the, in the NFL, nothing probably has changed because we don't know what their boards look like. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, that's a, yeah no, that's a great point. Yes. Uh, so uh, Sterling Shepard just got a contract extension uh, with the Giants, and uh, there was uh, some rumors that the Patriots also had been interested in uh, in him. So. Uh, can we get a sense that that the Pats are maybe the Pats aren't tipping their hand, but uh, do we think that that's maybe uh, where they're going to go with pick number thirty-two? I was looking at, like you said, there's tons and tons of material out there with uh, mock drafts and all this. Uh, I saw uh, maybe Debo Samuel uh, go into them. Uh, do, do you think that uh, based on the rumors that the Pats had been interested in a Sterling Shepard, that they might be going after a wide receiver with their first pick? I mean, it would make sense just based off their personnel. You know, we say this a lot where when you look at the New England Patriots on paper, you don't know how they win games because they don't necessarily have the most quote-unquote talented team. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's on the perimeter. So if you look at their depth chart right chart, depth chart right now, you got Philip Dorsett, Julian Edelman, Maurice Harris, Bruce Ellington, Braxton Berrios, and Matthew Slater. So there's, yes, it's probably a big tip of where they're probably going to go uh, with that first round pick, because right now, outside of Julian Edelman, who's uh, well into his 30s, they don't have much that really threatens you on a perimeter. So that's probably why they were in the market for a receiver, and that's probably why they're going to take one at pick 32. Yeah, I mean, I really could see that. Emery, uh, again, Emery Hunt, you can find him on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. He's going to be. Uh, He's going to be joining us on draft night. It'll be myself, Dave Martinez, Emery Hunt, and possibly somebody else in there. We're, uh, we are uh, waiting to hear back uh, on uh, somebody. So I'll just tease that. Uh, it could be an interesting draft night. But uh, it, it might be a little a little bit more tame than last year, but we'll still have fun with it. Uh, last year it was uh, an interesting uh, study of uh, live radio, but it, it, we did have a lot of fun. Uh, while doing the draft. So we did a mock draft the other night, Emery, and you're going to be seeing some video uh, that we filmed. it. We didn't do it live. We filmed it, and you'll see a lot of video clips here. So the first few picks seem to be, like, relatively set in stone. The Kyler Murray thing, I feel like, uh, here's my conspiracy theory of the day. I think Goodell or somebody may have had a conversation with Arizona, like, please don't trade Rosen yet because the second you do that, everybody knows who you're going to pick. So we want a little bit of intrigue as we get close. Like, think about that. If they trade Rosen right now, everybody knows who they're picking. Everybody sort of knows anyway, but at least it has the illusion of uh, keeping it a mystery for now, correct? Correct. 
But you also saw this last year with the Browns. They traded Deshaun Kaiser right after the combine. And I guess because the conversation last year was, okay, we know the Browns are going to probably which take QB, a right. Well, which quarterback right. will they? Uh, so with this one, I mean, they could have played it with the two guys and said, you know what, we're gonna, which one will you take? Will you take Haskins or will you take Murray? But it seems like because of the fit as far as uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury and what he's talked about before and, and you know, the infatuation with Kyler Murray, they're going to play this thing out and, and that is going to be the sole fo- focus. Or, you know, the other side of the coin is that it could be the biggest bluff job in NFL draft history where <laughs> he talks about this so often that everyone believes it's going to happen when they, the entire time they either wanted Nick Bosa or Quentin Williams or someone else other than Kyler Murray. And another option would be maybe they take Kyler Murray for someone else and trade him to that team that also wants Kyler Murray, and uh, therefore they can take the guy that they want and swap the you know, kind of like a Philip Rivers and Eli Manning deal again. So there's a ton of options, a ton of conspiracies out there, a ton of scenarios. Uh, just excited to see how it all plays out on April 25th. If you're them, this is a really quick follow-up. If you're them, would you take Murray and trade Rosen, or would you keep Rosen? I would. You know what? I would have. Kept, I would keep Rosen and 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 build around the rest of the, the roster. Um, but if you look at Rosen and say, okay, well, at the end of the day, this guy is a lot better, then I have no problems with taking Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins because they are the better players um, over Rosen. So I, I can understand that aspect as well. If you're going to say, okay, we just want to take the better team and we know the better player and we know right now that what we saw last year is probably Rosen's Ceiling, you know, he's going to be he's going to be good, but is he going to be, uh, you know, top ten quarterback in the league? I mean, do we really think Jared Goff is a top ten quarterback in the league? So, I think if you want to take a guy that's just flat out better at, at one of the more important positions, then I'm all for it. But I would probably use that pick to take one of the best players in the draft um, and, and go from there. All right, and we uh, turn our attention to wide receivers. I was noticing uh, Marquise Brown, uh, wide receiver from Oklahoma. Uh, some of these mocks have him going ahead of uh, DK, Mat- uh, DK Metcalf. Uh, Brown uh, was looking at his uh, draft profi- profile, uh, explosive speed, uh, could turn short catches into big plays. Concern with him, it seems to be his frame, 5'9", 166. Uh, is that going to be a, a big issue like you're, if you're an NFL team uh, would you prefer to take a guy like DK Metcalf uh, obviously super talented as well as a, a Superman frame or does the 5'9", does the 166, the small frame with Brown worry you in terms of his durability? I look at it like this where you know to me size doesn't equate to injury uh, because if that was the case Brandon Jacobs would have been the most indestructible running back in football history, but you stayed injured. Um, and a guy like Warwick Dunn at 5'9", 178 would have been injured his entire career. He ran for over 10,000 yards. So injuries, don't you don't worry about injuries until they happen. And you always look at guys that have had injury history, and, and injuries are a freak occurrence. But when you look at both guys, DK Metcalf has the, the neck injury, and you hope that is a one-time thing. But Marquise mm-hmm. Brown seems to have these little small nagging injuries that, that keep popping up. Foot injury. Um, a little shoulder injury. So you, you wonder how that is going to carry itself 
going forward. We saw the same thing with a guy like John Ross, who had a, an extensive injury history at Washington, and he had that same type of bad luck in the NFL. So I think that's more of a telltale sign than than height, weight, speed. So I, I think if for me, um, because I like what Metcalf brings to the table as far as a, a big X receiver, juxtaposed with a guy like Brown does, I think there's better receivers at Brown at his position as a flanker. I would probably lean toward Metcalf, although Brown is a dynamic option. I just think Brown is probably probably a little bit more one-dimensional as opposed to a guy like Metcalf. So, all right, we talked about Metcalf and Brown. What other wide receivers do you have with a first-round grade? I can tell you, just to tease it, in our first-round mock draft, and this was a combination of myself, uh, Rich Germanello, Joe Lisi, Gabe Marenzi, Frank Stamfel, Joe Rainieri, Keith Irizarry, we all sort of picked for different teams. I picked for the Packers, and I, that was the first wide receiver off the board. I went with Metcalf. I, I could see a world where Metcalf and Adams together could form a pretty significant duo. You have to take into account the fact that they did draft three wide receivers last last year, Jamon Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Equinemia St. Brown. But my thought process as I was going through it is like, well, yeah, those guys are are nice to have, but are you going to wait for one of them to break out? Is it going to be Marquez Valdez-Scantling? There's something there. But having those two huge weapons for uh, Rodgers would be something else. So anyway, my long diatribe is to say that we picked Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Paris Campbell. Those were the only three wide receivers in the first round. I assume you have first-round grades on those three, but who else do you have first-round grades on? Well, I have first-round grades on Nikhil Harry, Paris Campbell, D.K. Metcalf, and Anthony Ratliff-Williams. But I know Anthony Ratliff-Williams probably won't go in round one. So if I had to take a receiver in round one, the first one would probably be Nikhil Harry because of his versatility, his ability to help out on special teams. And, you know, the fact that this is a guy that could take a short pass a long way. And you want guys that are good after the catch because that's how we play in the NFL. That's the way the game is, is you, you don't go deep down the field consistently, you got to win in the short to intermediate area and allow yourself to make plays after the catch. So I think Harry does that better than anyone in the in this receiver group. Um, a guy like Paris Campbell with his speed probably could thrive in the short to intermediate game. We saw him do that at Ohio State once they moved him inside instead of trying to make him an outside receiver like he did earlier in his career. He thrived as a slot guy underneath and, and utilized his rack skills to his uh, effectiveness. Also, in conjunction with a guy that's deadly accurate that allows you to run out of the with ease. So I, I think when you look at those guys, would probably be where I would go in round one because of what they bring to the table, how the game is played at the NFL level, and what I see there can be best utilized because of their versatility. Switching over to uh, tight ends, I'm seeing uh, Hawkinson uh, sometimes being mentioned as the uh, first tight end that should go off the board. Uh, Noah Fant is mentioned, Irv Smith. I mean, uh, do you think that uh, it's important to get one of these guys in the first round? Uh, Or if you're a team, can you wait maybe for a wearing uh, tight end from San Diego State? Uh, It seems that uh, that Hawkinson has the total package where he could uh, catch passes and also uh, uh, he's also a very good run blocker. If you, if, if you bring it up run blocking early uh, for a tight end, I, you don't take that player in the top 10. Let's, let's, uh, this is where I always want to ask the, the, the other question where 
Um, is Hawkinson better than O.J. Howard as a prospect? Is he better than Evan Ingram was as a prospect? Is he better than Kellen Winslow, Jeremy Shockey, or, you know, those guys? Because mm-hmm. if not, then you don't take that guy in the top ten. You know, you don't take a guy in the top ten where he may not be better than his teammate. Um, you know, so I look at that as, you know, I don't know where this Hawkinson hype came from that vaulted him as a top ten talent. I think he's a good <laughs> player. You know, I, I don't think he's a top ten player. Uh, in this class, in my in my opinion, is that position. I think his teammate fan is a half, you know, is, is slightly better because he's a better athlete. But also, mm-hmm. when you look at flex, if you want to look at a flex tight end, you know, no one's talking about Alizé Mack out of Notre Dame. No one's talking about Jay Sternberg out of A and M. To me, those guys are probably more along the lines of what teams want at the receiver position uh, as a tight end. Uh, but Fant and Hawkinson, I think, are guys that can survive in line. But you know, with this position, again, if you're not a game changer. And just mm-hmm. ex, you know, extremely explosive on film, like more recently OJ Howard was, and even he went in the in, what with pick twenty. So I don't think Hawkinson is better than OJ Howard as a prospect. So I don't know why he would garner top ten hype. But you have to take these guys in the first round to me because you know how the position is not as deep, and so mm-hmm. whenever that run on tight ends go, you probably if they're the top two on your board, and you know there's only quote unquote two. Uh, you probably want to take that guy in the first round because you don't know if, 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 especially if you have a big gap between your number one tight end and your number two tight end on your uh, draft board. You take him in the first round just to make sure you secure his rights. But I would be hard pressed to take a guy that isn't as game changing as those other tight ends in the top ten. Yeah, and you got to get another guy like Josh Oliver from San Jose State that gets some good grades. He, he would probably be a day two to day three pick and you mentioned Sternberger earlier I, I think you made an interesting point like when we were doing the mock draft first of all I was I was I had the Packers and I was just assuming one of the tight ends would go would fall but it didn't happen even in our mock draft Fanton Hawkinson went back to back I think at nine and ten to the Bills and yeah I'll, I'll pull it up right now to the Bills and Broncos so you know I think the the good point that you made about, well, if these guys aren't top 10 players, don't draft them in the top 10. There is some, there obviously has to be some uh, attention paid to the needs that you have on the team. But if you're overdrafting to that extent, you're going to find yourself disappointed, particularly if you aren't prepared to use the player to his strength. We saw a really, really good example of this last year, uh, Emery, in that Eric Ebron was effectively a bust for the Lions, and he goes to the Colts, and he immediately explodes again back onto the NFL scene, catching all kinds of touchdowns. They have two interesting and talented tight ends in Indianapolis now, but you really do have to be prepared, and you and I have talked about this before, to use the player to his strengths. We saw in recent years the Lions are a perfect example of that because of um, because of Ebron and even Lincoln Tomlinson, a guard that they had drafted. Yeah, and here's the thing, too. When, when you look at a football team, you, do you ever find yourself saying, man, they are a tight end away from being right. where they need to be? You know what I'm right. saying? And as much as people love to dump on a running back position and say it doesn't matter, you got those same people saying take T.J. Hawkinson, who's you know a good player, 
in the top ten at a position where you don't really notice it right off the bat. Like, oh, man, this, this team desperately needs a tight end in order to get to the Super Bowl. No, it doesn't work that way. Good stuff. So that's Emory Hunt. He's going to be on the live draft show with myself and Dane Martinez and a player to be named later. So uh, looking forward to seeing you, man, in uh, like the 12 days from now. I'm sure we'll be talking again next Saturday and in the run-up to the draft. So we'll have a good time, and we'll continue to see your breakdown. So follow him on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. Thanks, Emery. I'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Emery. So that's it. We'll come back. We'll break down exactly what Emery was talking about, uh, tight end position, wide receivers, and more. Uh, it's Mike and Joe on FST. We'll be right back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We'll follow up with that draft information and continue to debate. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Theme song to Game of Thrones. I don't watch it. This is I, no. This look is, at that. I don't even the, even the <laughs> show. I, I can't identify the bands that I like, but I, from a show I don't watch, I got the yeah. Theme song. How's that? That's pretty damn good. I don't know. It just felt like it because I know that I know that. What is the new season is coming out or the finale tomorrow? Or tomorrow night, Sunday night, uh, the, uh, the final season, season. Right. Uh, I think there's only maybe seven or eight episodes, and uh, you know, I enjoyed watching uh, Game of Thrones. But the thing is, a lot, a lot of these shows, Mike, there's so much time in between seasons that you tend to, and there's only like ten episodes or so a season. You tend to forget what happened, so you kind of almost need to rewatch some of the stuff. But uh, well, I've been trying probably, to rewatch it. It's probably by design. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. So. but. Uh, uh, so yeah, you're a fan. I, I might be the only guy in America that hasn't watched this show. It's just, I, I can't, I can't do shows. Uh, it, it's, it's too hard with my schedule. I don't watch anything other than football during football season. Mm-hmm. Um, basically I, I reserve like one night a week to watch like one show with my wife. That's usually modern family. Because she loves it, uh, I've but, I've gotten tired of that show. That's but that's, that's the comedy, right? With uh, yes. Ed O'Neill, the guy from uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I've yes. seen bits and pieces of it. Yeah. Very funny show. Yeah, yeah. It is funny. Uh, I'm not yeah. a huge fan. It's funny, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. it's that show is like coming to a close now. Um, is probably, it? This is the last season as well. Yes, I think there's probably mm-hmm. wow. It's probably two seasons too late, but uh, mm-hmm. nonetheless, just <laughs> uh, the way sitcoms are like sitcoms just get tired over time right mm-hmm. it's the same bits over and over again uh, i find that to be the case across all sitcoms but particularly if one sitcom is on for too long they just start doing the same bits over and over again. they jump so, the shark <laughs> yeah exactly right exactly right perfect uh example so uh shout out to fonzie so 
<laughs> uh, Game of Thrones coming out tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I knew that was coming out, so that's why I figured Sean uh, was throwing that in there. Anyway, we'll get back to that in a moment. But uh, forget tuning into Game of Thrones. Just tune in to Make It Rain with Joe Rainieri and Dave Martinez on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's every weekday from 6 to 9 a.m., getting you started early as they start your morning doing their best to get you addicted to sports wagering. Uh, get all the sports wagering information you crave for NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, and live 2019 Masters action. If you're able to watch the show and not just listen, catch the video feed live or on demand on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page or on your favorite OTT provider. It's Make It Rain on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network and Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page weekdays from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern. So uh, so there you go. Uh, that is it for that read. And Game of Thrones, yeah, coming out. Uh, other shows, like there's so many good shows that I just never watched, Joe. I just never watched them. I never saw The Wire. I never saw Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. No, oh, my I God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wire yeah, I no. missed and I need to watch. But Breaking right. Bad, uh, definitely something. Right. I guess People when, think when your schedule jerk. changes. Like, this guy when is a jerk. Who doesn't watch no, Breaking no, Bad? No, 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 no. And you're, I know I would love Breaking Bad. better than all of us. Because you're being well, I would, no, I would love it. Just <laughs> yeah, you probably would. Because it's you know, probably like one of the top, we'll say, 20, 25 shows. Probably even, you know, maybe top 10. Depends. But one the of the one best shows. The one show I saw through its entirety that I was addicted to was Mad Men. So oh, I watched every too. episode yeah. of that. Good. That's yes, enjoyed that show. a lot. So, mm-hmm. and that show had long breaks in between seasons, mm-hmm. like year and a half breaks in between seasons. So uh, that one I started got before we were married uh, and before we had kids and all that kind of stuff. So I was able to kind of get through it. It was really the reason I stopped. And I really love movies and I love TV. But the reason I really stopped watching was a confluence of events. It was me obviously becoming a broadcaster and a lot of free time. Uh, formerly free time was taken up by us doing shows on weekends and, and stuff like this. Research too. The, the, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. getting prepared the nights before and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, watching various shows and watching games and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, you just, it's just part of the job. Um, so that replaced it. And then any other free time was taken up by having kids. And then you're tired mm-hmm. and you can't watch a show. And uh, I got married to somebody that doesn't really like the same types of shows that I like. Like, she would never watch Breaking Bad with me. She probably wouldn't watch Game of Thrones because there's a violent component to it. The thing that's mm-hmm. hard for Game of Thrones, too, with these breaks, from what I understand about it, is there are very complicated storylines Absolutely. Characters that keep getting reintroduced and dismissed and mm-hmm. reintroduced. So you have to almost have a cheat sheet next to you as to who this person is. So that would be hard for me until I have time to sit down and maybe binge watch it. Uh, but right. uh, it'd be more satisfying to me if I didn't binge watch, actually. Well, like Mad Men, uh, I enjoyed it immensely, but I ended up yeah. watching it pretty much uh, maybe when there's one season left. So uh, there weren't the big gaps where I had to wait for the new season to come. So, you know, I'd watch it when I had time on demand. And yeah. uh, so maybe that's uh, what you do. Maybe in a, when you have time, when your schedule changes, uh, you can get into, you know, because right now, like I said, I've, I've been rewatching it when I get a chance. It's almost like an escape, you know, an yeah. hour escape from, you know, the, 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 the full-time job and the, and the researching it. that we do here. You know, sometimes yeah, you need I- that. I get it. Yeah, I totally understand. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
you know, I'll even go back. I found myself on occasion watching an old episode of The Sopranos, even though I sort of watched everything. <laughs> um, the only I, I didn't see the first scene of The Sopranos, but everything else, uh, you know, I got on. So anyway, um, so we had Emery Hunt on. Great information, as always. Absolutely. We got into the yep. tight end thing a little bit, and we got into the wide receivers. Anthony Ratliff-Williams is a guy that he really likes that you won't see on any first-round mocks. He played at North Carolina, 6'1", 205. Uh, I think Emery thinks he's just a really prototypical NFL wide receiver, good size, good hands, ability to separate, yeah. and a player that you will probably see drafted on day two, maybe even day three. I would guess he's a second-round guy. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Anthony Ratliff-Williams is a name that he has mentioned a bunch of times that you may not be hearing from some of the other uh, experts. So for you, so your team is the Giants, Yes. Or the Jets. Mm-hmm. Giants. Giants, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yep. right now, they've got the two picks. In our mock draft the other night, so this is one of the oddities of our mock draft. So our mock draft that we do in Fantasy Sports Radio Network, I am basically in charge of getting people to pick. But what mm-hmm. I say is pick who you would want, not who the team wants or who you think the team is going to take. So... Some of them are in line with what the predictions are. Rich Sermonello picked Kyler Murray overall. He thinks, I think to some extent, when the rumors are so heavy, there's just an assumption that Kyler is going to be picked there. And Rich assumed the same, that, you know, they're changing the coaching staff. Kingsbury's in love with Murray. He's just going to pick him there, so I'll go with that. The Niners are really in a pretty lucky scenario where it seems like the Cardinals are rebooting everything and they're going to end up with Nick Post who's probably mm-hmm. the best player in the entire draft. It's very similar to his brother, like a uh, really good motor and the ability to be a, a classic defensive end with pass rush capabilities, but also can stop the run. So we went down through Josh Allen, Quinnen Williams, Devin White, and then it gets down to the Giants, and Greg Sussman picked Montez Sweat, this edge rusher from Mississippi State who's flown up draft boards. Very productive in two years at Mississippi State, 6'6", he had an irregular heartbeat. There was some off-field stuff uh, prior. He transferred from Michigan State. So, if the Giants don't, if the Giants either acquire Rosen or decide not to take the QB there, would you be okay with an edge rusher there? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've even seen uh, the CBS Sports had uh, them taking Gary Rashan. But yeah, that's definitely a need. And you know what? I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with the Giants, uh, you know, trading, let's say, the, the 17th pick for uh, a, a Josh Rosen. And but then again, I, listening to Emery, I, I kind of questioned that because he's so knowledgeable and it sounded like. Uh, he put a little bit of the onus on uh, Rosen's bad season, more on, on Rosen than I had. I, I, you know, I put it on the, the Cardinals' uh, supporting cast, the terrible uh, offensive line. But, you know, initially I, I said, no hey, you know. chance for any quarterback to be successful in that system last right. year. Uh, right, right, right. Coaching issues, general manager issues, mm-hmm. no offensive line. They were – Every, any quarterback that was in that system last year would have failed. Right. No, anyway. I agree with you. Yeah. But let, let's say if the Giants do trade, let's say their 17th overall pick for Rosen, uh, you know, we, I guess as a community that follows football, kind of thought that last year's class of quarterbacks was like one of the strongest in a, in a while. So Giants yeah. would be getting basically the uh, – 
a, a first round pick, uh, first round, t- what was uh, a player that was thought to have first round talent uh, this year. And let's say if it doesn't work out, you know, uh, next year's uh, quarterback class is supposed to be uh, a lot stronger than this one. So that, I mean, I think that's, that's the way I would go. Uh, but again, uh, listening to Emery uh, kind of, uh, made me think twice about, you know, uh, maybe, uh, and I agree with you with, with what you just said, uh, you know, th- that no quarterback really could have had a productive season in Arizona this year. But it makes me wonder yeah. a little bit about Rosen. Look, the Giant, the Giants specifically, I, I know we focused a lot on the Giants, but they are a really key part of the draft. They have two first-round picks, and they're conceivably mm-hmm. trading for Josh Rosen. So they're going to be a big story. Washington and New York are extremely key points in how the first round goes because mm-hmm. there is going to likely going to be some movement for some of these quarterbacks. Likely. Not definitely, but likely. Uh, because the Broncos have to be looking at somebody long-term, too. Flacco sure. isn't their long-term plan. They just thought he'd be mm-hmm. better than Keenum. So mm-hmm. they may take a developmental prospect like you hear that they, they love Drew Locke, but maybe it's you know there's a lot of smoke screens going on right now. For the Giants, it's really not that difficult in this respect. They just had to go through this process last year of grading all the QBs. Mm-hmm. If they didn't, then everyone should be fired. They couldn't <laughs> have been locked in on Barkley like that. They shouldn't have drafted him anyway, in my opinion, as great a player as he is. Uh, I, I just didn't think he's – I don't think any running back is quite that valuable. So, anyway – they just had to go through the process of grading all these guys last year. You had four top ten picks with Baker, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and Josh Rosen, who was picked 10th overall. Now you're having mm-hmm. to go through this process. We brought in Kyler Murray, which they did. He visited their offices this week. Then you have Dwayne Haskins. You have Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, which you hear rumors that the Giants really love Daniel Jones. Uh, right, and right. then you have other guys like Ryan Finley, and uh, Will Greer. So let's just call that the top five. There, there may be uh, other names you want to throw out there, but for all intents and purposes, th- those are your first-round uh, guys. Finley's not really a first-round guy, but you never know. Somebody could take a, a flyer. So mm-hmm. they, they, all they have to do is compare all their grades from last year and this year. <laughs> and if they determine right. that Rosen is better than everybody this year and or mm-hmm. – better than everybody other than Kyler Murray because they don't have the opportunity to get him necessarily without giving right. up everything, then mm-hmm. it's easy. It's easy. They have to come out of the first round with a quarterback. They have to. And if they don't, then they're kicking the can down the road for some ungodly reason of tanking for Tua or Justin Herbert which, again, you have to already have those guys graded too, and there's no <laughs> definitive answer as to whether or not you will be able to acquire them. They're obviously right. going to try to win as many games as possible. It may end up only being three or four, but that doesn't guarantee them the first pick. The Dolphins right now are picking 13th. They probably have the worst roster in the league. Do you know what I mean? They won seven yes. games, and they stink. Mm-hmm. So you those players can't tank on the teams. They're playing for another deal next year because they're not going to be on the Giants. So it just they have to come out of this first round with a quarterback, even if it's Josh Rosen and they're trading the 17th pick. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And, and two questions I have for you. You mentioned Herbert. 
you know, he was thinking about coming out this year and decided to uh, go back to Oregon and play another year. Where, do you think that – where do you think he would have been ranked? Because you have a, your finger on the pulse of this thing. So th- where do you think he would have – like, I know it's hard to say, but uh, – It is hard think to say, but yeah. I, think, I think you'd be talking about him uh, maybe between – the Murray thing is such a wild card because the coach is so tied to him mm-hmm. in Arizona. That's what's unique about it. But I think he would have been right there in the top three. I mean, you'd be talking about him with Murray and Haskins. Right. And who and do you if, think? If would... I had to guess, if he was in this draft, it would still yeah. go Murray and then Herbert and then everybody mm-hmm. else. That's right. my guess. And it seemed, though, that as as the, the uh, you know, the, People started to evaluate Herbert. He kind of cooled off on him. I, I don't, you know, I don't know if you you agree, but uh... yeah, they all have warts, you know. The, mm-hmm. I, I think that's the reality. Um, the Browns hit a home run in the way that Baker was able to come in and play like that, but you saw the other guys struggle at times. I think Darnold's going to be really good long term. So do I. Um, yeah, I agree. I think Josh Allen. I never would draft somebody that has a fifty-four percent completion percentage in college. I just wouldn't do that. And I mm-hmm. think with Josh Rosen, I actually liked him more than I liked Allen, so I would have drafted him in front of Josh Allen. I know people think that he's this mercurial guy because he's pretty smart and he's not dedicated to football, so that's a tough moniker to carry around with you or a tough characterization to carry around with you, but I think mm-hmm. it's unfair for me to buy into that without really knowing. I don't know that. You know what I mean? I hear people say that, but I don't know that for sure, that Josh Rosen right. isn't dedicated to football or he wants to be a, an investment banker or an attorney. After. I'm like, good for him. <laughs> I mean, that's a good thing. I just want him to be all in on football. He seemed to be all in on football to me last year, and they couldn't have mm-hmm. treated him worse. So uh, so that's that's my thoughts on it. I, that's where Herbert would be. Uh, the tight end thing, I, 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 I just said it on the last segment. I think Emery's right. I think these guys yeah. are both talented, but if you're getting them in the top 10, you have to really pump the brakes and say, is this really a top 10 player? Mm-hmm. Like the Lions probably thought that. Yeah, like Eric Ebron's good, but we spent a, a top 10 pick on him and uh, or whatever his top 12 pick on him, and uh, he didn't really do that much for us. It's like, well, because he's not that impactful. Like Emerson. I love said. what Hunt. Do you really yeah. feel like you're a tight end away? No. There you go. I was just going to say that. That was yeah. a great quote. You, can use, you, yep. you can use Austin Severian Jenkins, and you can use Cameron He's a Patriot now. Yeah. Right. Those guys, they help you win football games. You don't have to draft in your top 10. All right. Hour number three coming back. George Kurt's going to join us in the next hour.